The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, we are in the book of John, kind of walking in this Advent season through the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. So if you want to turn to John chapter 1, you can. And while you're turning there, just a couple of things to let you know. Uh, First is that as you consider year in giving, we would love and humbly ask that you would consider TBC. If If you are doing year in giving, you go to our church website and on the front page, top right corner, there is a button that says giving, right? That's G-I-V-I-N-G. And if you can give gifts there, it gives you instructions on how to do that. Really, year in giving, just about every year, propels us into great ministry the next year. So we appreciate you considering us. And then second, just kind of wanted to let you know where we're headed in the Word next year in case you would want to read ahead or, or study as we typically walk through books of the Bible or sections of books of the Bible. And so in January, we will go through our core values, surrender, community, and mission. Just spend three weeks there as we seek more and more every year to be a surrendered people who are on mission together. And then up to Easter, we'll go through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as we talk about these books that John wrote so that we may believe. And then after Easter, we'll go from kind of mid-March through, um, through August in the Sermon on the Mount, learning from Jesus together. And then in the fall, we'll do a series on the, the disciplines, on the spiritual disciplines. There'll be small group curriculum for that so you can study here and then study together in community. Uh, today, we're in John, and so let's read John 1, 6 through 9 together, and then let's pray. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus, we thank you that you, in fact, are the light of the world. And we thank you that you came and were born as a baby and lived, tempted just as we are, but without sin. Your entire life was light. No darkness at all. And God, we thank you for this man, John the Baptist, who bore witness to the light of God who came through Jesus Christ. As we study your word today, God, would you enlighten our eyes and our hearts and our minds, and would you use our life to reflect the light and love of God into our world to bear witness to the light just as John did in first century Israel. Help us today, help us to hear from you and be transformed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the prologue of John is this great 18 verses introducing us to Jesus, and you gotta wonder, what is John doing here? And if you're new to scripture, it might sound kinda weird. A guy named John is writing about another guy named John, or is he talking about himself? Who's he talking about? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. If you didn't know the story, you could read this, and John starts by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. In the beginning, He made everything, the world's made through Him, and in Him was life, and life was light of men. But enough about Him, let's talk about John, right? 
But that's not actually what he's doing. He is talking about another John. And the story of John the Baptist is really a fascinating story. And it's not just a fascinating story because he, he dressed in camel hair and he dipped bugs in honey and ate them, right? That's amazing enough. But his story actually starts long before he was born. 700 years before John was born and before Jesus, God incarnate, came into the world, the prophet Isaiah in several places spoke about the coming Messiah, but he also spoke about John. In Isaiah 40, the chapter begins, comfort, comfort my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And in verse 3, it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert the highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall, be become, shall become level, and the rough places Plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. There's this voice crying in the wilderness, and Israel is waiting for this voice. This is 700 years before Jesus is born. Fast forward about 300 years to the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, about 430 years before John and Jesus come into the world. And in Malachi, this last book, of the Old Testament. Something very similar stated in Malachi chapter 3, behold I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Malachi ends, the last three verses in Malachi say this, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Now this is a significant moment. Silence is about to happen. God has been speaking to his people through prophets and for 430 years there's going to be silence. But God reminds his people, you've got my word. Remember the law of my servant Moses. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. He's told them, remember my word, remember my word, and then there's silence. And people come to the temple each year and they make sacrifices and they pray and there's silence and priests go before God. And there's silence and no prophet rises up and there's silence. And then there's a man named Zechariah. He's married to a lady named Elizabeth. Like Abraham and Sarah were, they're too old to have children. He's a priest before the Lord and the time for him to serve in the temple in Jerusalem has come. They go from their home in the hill country of Judea to Jerusalem and he's serving and the angel Gabriel, this messenger from God appears to him and he is scared to death. And Gabriel says, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And in Luke chapter one, he begins to tell him about this son that's going to be born to him. And here's what he says, that John, when he's born, he's going to bring you joy and gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. 
He says he's going to be great before the Lord. He says he's not going to drink wine or any strong drink. That's actually why he's called John the Baptist, if you didn't know. (laughs) He'll never drink wine or strong drink. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. And he's going to turn the hearts of the children of Israel back to their God. And then in verse 17 of Luke 1, it says, and he will go before him. Who? He will go before him, the Messiah who's coming, in the spirit of Elijah. I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. He will go before him in the spirit of Elijah. Luke 1.17 is saying, that your baby is going to be the guy Malachi talked about. Your baby is going to be the guy Isaiah talked about. And so then Zechariah goes home. He's got some unbelief. And so the angel says, you're going to be silent until this child's born. So that you'll know what I'm telling you is from God. So he and his wife Elizabeth go home to the hill country of Judea. And Elizabeth's younger cousin Mary comes to visit. Mary is expecting the Messiah. God in the flesh is in her womb. And when Mary walks in the womb, the baby John the Baptist leaps in his mother Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth and Zechariah are amazed. They realize the Messiah is there. And so then John the Baptist is born. He's born in his father Zechariah, who's been silent, For this entire pregnancy, he begins to speak. He names him John, and then he gives this prophecy about him. that ties back to Isaiah, not Isaiah 40, but Isaiah chapter 9. Here's what he says. You, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, And then he says to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew. He became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. He's going to give light to those in darkness and he is going to bring peace. Isaiah 9, we read part of it in Isaiah 9-2, this prophecy begins, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He'll give light to those who sit in darkness and guide them into the way of peace. The people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light is shown. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. We read on, he's going to be the prince of peace. So you fast forward from here 30 years and John is out in the wilderness and he is dressed to the nines in a camel hair coat and he is eating honey dipped locusts long before chocolate covered grasshoppers were popular. And he is telling the people to repent and everybody is coming to him. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And John came to bear witness about this light who would bring peace between people and God and people and one another. Ephesians tells us about this Christ that he himself is our peace. People were confused about John. 
He's this man sent from God. His name is John. And people are confused about him. Turn back to John 1 with me. John tells us he bore witness about the light. Well, what was his witness? Skip down to verse 19. Here's the testimony that he gave. The Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem out into the wilderness. And they said, who are you? And he didn't say who he was. He said, I am not the Christ. What then? Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Who are you? We have to give an answer to those who sent us. And so then John quotes Isaiah 40. He says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Then why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? And John begins to bear witness about the light. He says, I baptize with water, but there's one among you that you don't know. I'm not worthy to take the strap of his sandal off. John is bearing witness to the light. He's bearing witness to the light. And he continues to bear witness to the light. He continues to testify to the greatness of God. If you turn over to John chapter 3, he bears witness to the light. His testimony bears out that he is who John says he is. He's a man sent from God to bear witness about the light. And so in John chapter 3, people continue to ask, wait a second, people are going to this guy, not you to be baptized. Doesn't that bother you, right? Your ministry is becoming smaller. His is becoming greater. But John knew what you and I would do well to remember that all of us, our existence, we are on the planet to point to the greatness of another. And John understood this so well. Everyone's going to him to be baptized. And John says in John 3, 27, a person can't receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You've heard me say I'm not the Christ. I've been sent before him. And then he says the one who, is the bride, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom rejoices when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. I'm not the main character in this story. I'm not the bridegroom who's come to redeem God's bride. Jesus is, so I rejoice at his voice. He must increase and I must decrease. My wife and I went to a wedding not too long ago. There's a young lady named Meg Rowe and about About 10 years ago, she graduated from UMHB, and she, along with others, had been in a missions Bible study that Laura and I did, and Laura and Meg just kind of kept up with one another, kept up with one another, prayed for one another, encouraged one another. Meg was a nurse like my wife as well, and then Meg met the short guy in this photo. His name's Cameron. He's a worship leader at their church in Dallas, and they fell in love with one another, and we went just to celebrate God's goodness as they came together in Christ. And we had a great time at their wedding, and then we go to the reception. And this young man, Michael, is one of Cameron's two best men. And he got up to share about Cameron, the bridegroom. And he began by saying, he called him Mr. Cameron. Cameron's a bit older than him. And he said, Mr. Cameron, God's done a lot of miracles in our life, but maybe the greatest miracle is when I was nine years old, you took me to McDonald's, it seems like every day, and I still just weigh 100 pounds. <laughs> well, we all laughed like you did, but then, then Michael began to tell us about how Cameron, 
had impacted his life and pointed him to Jesus over and over and over. And then Meg came into Cameron's life and they together began to love Michael. And he just testified to the greatness of the bridegroom and the crowd that started laughing ended crying. We went to a party and we were all in tears because the friend of the bridegroom rejoiced at the bridegroom's coming. And that's what John did. People were confused, but he said, no, 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 he must increase. I must decrease. John was a witness to the light. His whole life was meant to point to another. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Well, why did he come to bear witness about the lie? John the Baptist was a witness to the coming of Jesus so that all might believe. That's why he came to bear witness. So that in first century Israel, people would believe that Jesus was a Messiah. And as people believed Jesus was Messiah, as he rose from the dead, that the gospel message would go to all the Roman Empire and that people would believe in Ephesus, in Colossae, in Thessalonica, all the way to Rome and even on to Spain. But it didn't stop there. That people might believe today in the 21st century that here today, maybe you hear this message about Jesus and you believe that He's the Son of God, the light that came into the world. He was a witness so that people would believe and so He's out testifying about this Messiah who's come, this baby that was born in Bethlehem. He sees Him coming. There's a crowd of people there to be baptized by John and He sees Jesus and He says this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now this is an amazing statement for any Jewish man, woman, boy or girl who's listening because for centuries, every year, every man would take a lamb for his family and the lamb would be a sacrifice for a sin offering. But it wasn't a full sacrifice because it had to happen over and over and over again. The high priest would then make sacrifice every year for the sins of the people. And then John says, this is no lamb of man. This is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just the sins of Israel, the sins of the world. This is the one. He's the one Isaiah talked about. He's the one Malachi talked about. And John bore witness so that we might believe. He says, the father loves the son. John the Baptist testified to this and he gives everything into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. That's the witness John bore. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What John was telling these people, and if he could stand here today, what he would tell you and me is what you do with Jesus Christ matters more than anything else in the world. Belief in Him determines everything. Belief in Him transforms everything. He's the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world and gives eternal life to all who could believe. He came that all might believe. Verse 8 says, He was not the light, but He came to bear witness to the light. He came to bear witness to the light. Verse 9 says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Tim talked to us about this last week, that Jesus is the light of the world. 
John 1 begins this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus was a light so bright that all the darkness of first century Roman Empire couldn't overcome it. I love this statement that Billy Graham made many, many years ago. All the darkness in the world can't put out the light of a single candle. Jesus didn't come like a candle, though. He came like a bonfire, like a star shining in the night, guiding the way, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. And that's beautiful news in a cosmic way, but let me tell you how it's beautiful news for you. You might go, Chase, you don't know the darkness that I've experienced, things done to me or things done by me. I I don't know if Jesus could change me. But Jesus is a light that shines in darkness and no matter how dark it's been for you, that darkness can't overcome what he would do in your life and in my life if we simply believe, if we simply trust. See, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. I want to tell you that one of my favorite things, kind of temporal things about Christmas is Christmas lights. And I don't mean amazing Christmas lights, like at Ballora, right, or Zilker Park in Austin. I mean just normal, everyday Christmas lights, even Christmas lights that look almost as bad as mine. But it's not that I love those lights, it's that I love taking my kids. They're a little bit old now, they'll still do it, but when they're really little. You can be driving from my house on Walnut Road a mile to here, and you pass by the same old Christmas lights. Look, Dad, did you see those Christmas lights? They're just drawn to it. There's this house on Forest that they kind of compete with the Griswolds. And they got all kinds of things. We love it because they got lights and they've even got long horns. Listen, you can't hiss at that because you're hissing at the baby Jesus if you do that today, right? (laughs) But here's the deal. I I love it because they get so enamored by the lights. What we used to do is we would drive down Forest one way and one of my little guys, he'd be looking out the left side of the car, driver's side, and he'd go, look at those lights. Those are amazing, Dad. And we'd make a loop and come back the other way and It's on the right side. And he goes, there's a house that looks just like that other one right here, Dad. (laughs) See, in in the darkness, light is really special. We're drawn to it. And just like in the first century and all the brokenness that existed there in the 21st century and all the darkness that we read about, that we see on the web, Sometimes that we hear and experience, there's plenty to go around. Light shines in darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And Jesus is that light that darkness cannot overcome. He said it. He said it about himself. I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'll tell you, if you've ever walked in darkness like I have, The light of life sounds like a really good thing. Jesus says that's him. He offers that to us. See, what John is saying is that the light of Isaiah 9 is coming into the world, and he's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Prince of Peace. 
Well, just like in the first century, the world is profoundly broken and needs the light of Christ as much as it ever has. And here's what's true for us today. As Jesus came, he will so come again and set all things right. It'll be so bright there will not be a shadow anymore in the new earth. But there's work for us to do. Because as John was a witness to the light of Christ, so now are we. As John the Baptist was to the first advent, we are to the second. So sometimes we do this well, sometimes we don't. I want to talk to you about how we miss the mark and how we hit the mark. We, we miss the mark when we're silent about the light, when we don't talk about it. We miss the mark. We, we end up like adults who are bored with Christmas lights rather than like children who are enamored at their beauty. Sometimes we're silent. Sometimes we're loud but not loving, and that misses the mark because that's more dark than light. But then sometimes, sometimes we try to help God. We feel like this message that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way of salvation. Sometimes that's too exclusive. Sometimes maybe people won't believe it. But I'll just tell you, both the Bible and research don't bear that out. TBC's got a missionary couple named Frank and Teray Leeson. Frank grew up in Germany, came to Georgetown as an exchange student, met Teray, and they fell in love and went back to Germany, been sharing the gospel in Germany for a couple of decades. And Frank recently got his PhD, and when he got his PhD, he studied this. He studied three churches that were vastly different, but they all three had much higher conversion rates than other churches in secular Germany. One was a very charismatic church. One was just kind of a little charismatic. And, and one was a Presbyterian church, not charismatic at all. All three experiencing people coming to Jesus at a much higher rate than other churches in secular Germany. And the churches thought, well, it's, it's really the methodology. It's this process of how we lead people to Christ. Or maybe it's that we have really, really good music. But they asked the people who came to faith in Jesus. And for them, for none of them, that was the reason. But, but what they said is the church had two things that all three churches had in common. And one is they preached a really robust gospel that Jesus was the way and the only way and the love of God that you could experience through Jesus Christ could transform you in a way that nothing else could. And the second thing is that they all really believed that the Bible was the word of God and had authority over their lives. God doesn't need our help to tweak this foolish message of a crucified king through which the whole world believes. See, they shared the gospel really well, but they also loved their communities really well. They all had mercy ministries that they did really, really well. So when we hit the mark, it's when we share the love of God with our words and our deeds really, really well. And I just began to think about how you all do this throughout the year. You know, TBC has got a pretty small staff. So the ministry that our community and the world needs, we couldn't do as a staff. But, but you are an army of ministers, all called to full-time ministry if you're in Christ. And I, I began to write down some of the ways that God has used you this year to bear witness to the light. And I wrote them all down and then I had to delete about two thirds of them because we don't have time to read them all today. But let me just tell you, this 
Last year, because you have supported and prayed, over 50 missionaries and partners have shared the gospel in their communities in 24 nations. In Southeast Asia, in Eastern Europe, in Central Africa, in the Middle East and beyond. Hundreds of you have volunteered with our local partners. In our church, you've taught children at Launchpad. You've taught youth and overflow. You've driven impact teams so those teens could share the gospel. You've taken meals to families. You've given parenting classes. You've worked with Hope Pregnancy Center. You've visited incarcerated people with Discipleship Unlimited and jailed ministry. You've served food. You've shared Christ with teens and adults. You've prayed for others as well as many other ministries this year. Through our our local partner, Hope Pregnancy Center, that many of you volunteer at, dozens of ladies chose life for their children this year, and many of them came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. One of our ministry assistants that works in our office has prayed with and encouraged 50 families this year who needed assistance. Our sister church in Basse, Rwanda, that met about eight hours ago, there are 23 students. We work together with them, and we give and they give together. There are 23 students in their community that hear the gospel each week, get their school supplies, their books, their uniforms, some meals throughout the year. They can see the light of Christ through the local church we work alongside. In Temple and Belton here locally, 250 kids got backpacks and school supplies because you decided to give them this year. Over 100 teens heard the gospel at our crossover basketball camp. Each week at Thornton, through Good News Clubs, TB Sears Lead, kids hear the gospel right across the street as we tell it on the mountain that Jesus was born. Over the last year, our Launchpad ministry just continues to grow, and we continue to need volunteers, which is an awesome problem to have, right? In overflow, fifth through twelfth graders get prepared to live as believers in the world, as disciples who can share the gospel with their friends. Our sea life sees over 100 college students. They're, they're gone this December to be with their families, but throughout the year, they meet in Bible study, they pray together, they learn the word together. Our small groups ministries continue to thrive as people love one another and serve one another and learn with one another. Our brothers and sisters in Ukraine send a big thank you because in our two portables, there's a full shipping container of food it's ready to be sent, and that'll be distributed with gospel literature from the local churches in Belitserkov throughout Ukraine to share Jesus and to share food with their nation. And just locally, 40 families got holiday meals and will get gifts for Christmas because you participate in our food drive and our gift drive. And then here's this amazing thing. You gave too much food at our food drive. Did you know that? And when I say you gave too much food... We had a thousand pounds of food extra that we took to Helping Hands. Pastor Tim and his team took over there. Now, that's just amazing. That's a thousand pounds of food that impacts families in our community. And after he did it, Tim noticed online, we didn't know this, there's a, a faith family contest. Faith families throughout our community give food uh, over the months of October, November to Helping Hands, and there's kind of a competition. And and we won it by a lot, and we didn't even know we were in it. <laughs> and uh, Tim said, I didn't even know it was a competition. They can't wait till next year, right? <laughs> but praise God for your generosity. 
It just goes on and on and on. You've also welcomed a lot of new people in our community. And if you're new here, let me just say welcome again. Welcome to the party. We are really excited about what God is doing in and through you. Throughout 2022, these things happen because you gave time, talents, and treasure to bear witness to the light. And so we say aloud to God be the glory, great things he has done. I wonder, as this year comes to an end, if he's just not finished. So maybe we'd just ask the Lord how God might stir us this Christmas season and into the new year to be witnesses about the light that is Jesus Christ. God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for the men and women and boys and girls in this room who have borne witness to the light by their words and by their actions all year long. God, we thank you that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We thank you that we get to celebrate him today. And we pray, God, that we might share the good news about Jesus so that people could experience the peace that he brings to life, the light that he brings to life. Help us to know what that looks like for us. God, if it's cooking a meal for a family that's busy, if it's praying with a family that's about to walk through their first holiday without someone that they love. God, if it's sharing Christ in our workplace, if it's inviting people in to our Christmas celebration so that they're not alone, Help us to see how we can be a witness for the light and let that light shine bright in darkness and in our city and in all the world, let the darkness not overcome it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.